Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Welcome, America. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to join the show, always happy to have you. I hope you had a great weekend. Well, there is this in from CNN. Florida GOP lawmakers have cleared the path for Governor Ron DeSantis to run for president without resigning. On Friday, the legislators tweaked a law that currently requires candidates in the state seeking higher office to give up their elected post once they qualify for the ballot. DeSantis has not yet officially announced that he's running for the Republican nomination, but is widely expected to jump into the race in the coming weeks after Florida lawmakers conclude their legislative session. Well, you know, the DeSantis team has maintained all along that that law was unnecessary for his run. The state Senate agreed changing the law was unnecessary. But, of course, lawyers on both sides could disagree. Now they can't. Uh, He is expected to announce his run this month. Tim Scott will be announcing May 22nd, DeSantis sometime probably around the same time. I actually want to start today uh, with what's happening in uh, the battle. I mentioned this on Friday, but I had time to to dive in a little more about uh, the weight and whether or not we need to rethink the weight. And by the weight, I mean It's been very obvious that Ron DeSantis is running for president of the United States. Uh, The only people at this point who think he is uh, possibly going to sit out until 2026 are the fabulists of the press. Nobody else takes that seriously. Uh, But I did want to put some numbers to it to give you a sense of what's happening. And let me explain the situation here. This is the first time a major party candidate for president has run without having whispers in the main press. So Ron DeSantis talks to a couple of smaller news sites and blogs in Florida, but his team does not talk to anyone else. David Drucker is a reporter who's always been uh, at conservative news outlets. He's been at the Washington Examiner for some time. He's moved over to the Dispatch. He covers politics. And let me read you a paragraph, there are a sentence rather, that he wrote about the DeSantis issue of not talking to the press. Whether providing positive or negative assessments of DeSantis, most Republican insiders in Tallahassee would only speak if granted anonymity given the governor's dislike of leaks or gossip. The DeSantis team willfully chooses not to have relationships with anyone at the New York Times, the Washington Post, USA Today, even conservative media outlets that are of national reach tend not to have anyone inside the DeSantis team talking to them. This is by design. The governor's team is very tight-knit, very loyal. They do not leak, nor do they trust the press. The DeSantis team calculates that they can shape public opinion without reliance on the media. You know who Maggie Haberman is, undoubtedly, from the New York Times, who covers Donald Trump. Donald Trump regularly attacks Maggie Haberman, which you probably do not know, but anyone in the Trump circle will admit is that people within Trump's orbit regularly leak to Maggie Haberman. I happen to know for an ascertainable fact 
Maggie Haberman does not want to continue being on the Trump beat. I also happen to know, it's an ascertainable fact, that uh, the New York Times will not let her off the beat because so many people within Trump's orbit talk to Maggie Haberman and no one else at the New York Times. Maggie Haberman is essentially the Trump whisperer. They don't talk to very many members of the press, but they talk to her. They talk to her because Donald Trump, prior to running for president, thought highly of her reporting and still, even though he bashes the New York Times, thinks it's a value to be in the New York Times. I'm not talking on a turn here. I mean, this is what people in Trump's orbit will tell you. Ron DeSantis doesn't have a Maggie Haberman. He doesn't want a Maggie Haberman. Let me, and, and so the media has taken note. These are the headlines of the New York Times. These are from January. Can Ron DeSantis avoid meeting the press? That's the beginning of January. The end of January, DeSantis and the media, not a love story. In February, DeSantis aiming at a favorite foil, wants to roll back press freedom. In March, Ron DeSantis usually avoids the press. For Murdoch, he'll make an exception. And now in April, right-wing media splits from DeSantis on press protections. Those are all the stories. Two in January, one in February, one in March, one in April. There will undoubtedly be some in May about how Ron DeSantis does not talk to the press. And then there's Puck News. I've mentioned Puck News. Puck News has a reporter, Tara Palmieri, who is on the Florida beat covering Ron DeSantis. Literally no one in the DeSantis orbit will talk to Tara Palmieri. And as a result, these are her stories just in April, one a week. The DeSantis endorsement Benghazi, endorsement Ghazi blame game. DeSantis's new donor defiance, the Jeff Rowe DeSantis U-turn, DeSantis donor quakes in New Hampshire foibles, and the hottest Florida political tea, and the subheadline for that headline, how the state's political insiders are digesting DeSantis's recent shadow primary stumbles. She has produced negative story after negative story after negative story after negative story on Ron DeSantis uh, at least one, sometimes twice a week in April alone because no one from DeSantis's orbit will talk to her. Therefore, she will fill every DeSantis story with all of the DeSantis haters quotes and none from DeSantis. And the result is she's gotten some major stories wrong. In fact, one of her big scoops that led national headlines was that the New Hampshire GOP was having trouble selling tickets to the New Hampshire Lincoln dinner because Ron DeSantis was the star and no one wanted to hear Ron DeSantis. She actually wrote that they were having serious trouble selling tickets. It turns out the New Hampshire Republican Party not only sold out but broke records in fundraising and, and was had a packed house. She got the story wrong. She also did an interview with her colleague Peter Hamby at um, Puck News in which she openly speculated DeSantis might actually punt and not run until 2026. This happened the exact same week I happen to know for certain DeSantis was meeting with some of his future surrogates plotting out policy positions to announce early in his campaign. She got these things wrong, but she didn't care. What the New York Times and what Puck News and what Washington Post and USA Today and CNN and MSNBC and all the others are doing is in the absence of Ron DeSantis speaking to them, they are using the DeSantis haters to narrate what's happening. So all of the media narratives are anti-DeSantis. It's one reason, frankly, I think his poll numbers have gone down is he's allowed the media to define him right now. The most people who aren't paying attention to politics might know about DeSantis is that he's at war with Disney. And most people are not plugged in. Therefore, most of those people 
are listening to the media, they're like, what's wrong with Mickey Mouse? They have no idea. The media is trying to shape the narrative. But DeSantis is about to get in. His fundraising, by the way, is setting records. He's raised over $80 million. He's put it in a state political fund and is moving it into a federal super PAC. Democrats say this is illegal. Republicans say it's legal. The FEC will decide they're going to deadlock two to two, I guarantee you. So he'll do it. He'll fund this federal super PAC. And then if he gets out of the gate and he pushes back hard and he no longer allows the media to set the table, he now begins to have the surrogates push back. DeSantis can turn everything on its head. You've heard the stories. Undoubtedly, the New York Times has run these stories. CNN actually has a story. Now, let me read you the headline. How bad is it for Ron DeSantis? He's pulling at RFK Jr.'s level. RFK, Robert Kennedy Jr., is a declared candidate for President of the United States. Ron DeSantis is not. So Ron DeSantis, the non-candidate, is polling where Robert Kennedy Jr. is polling as a candidate. Uh, he can rebound. If he comes out of the gate and he stumbles like Rick Perry did, remember, when Rick Perry got into the presidential primary in 2012, he skyrocketed in popularity. Rick Perry dominated the race, overshadowed Mitt Romney and everyone else. Unfortunately, Rick Perry had had back surgery. Most people don't realize he had had back surgery. He was refusing to take the painkillers or get out of his boots, as the doctor said. He was in a lot of pain when he was on the debate stage, and he said he wanted to cut those three uh, departments and forgot the Department of Energy in the list, which ironically was the department in which he became secretary uh, under the Trump administration. He, he stumbled uh, in pain from his back surgery and other issues. He didn't live up to people's expectations, and he crashed in the polling and withdrew. If DeSantis comes out of the gate and has a reverse berry, he doesn't crash but goes up, then suddenly the DeSantis team looks like it knows what it's doing. The public will pay attention to this because the public, all they've had for the last five months is a media narrative of a DeSantis team that is out of their depth, doesn't know what they're doing, and won't talk to the press. If DeSantis comes out and defies the expectations built up by the press, I mean, if anything, he's played it somewhat smart in doing this because the press has now built up expectations that DeSantis can easily exceed. Suddenly, DeSantis dominates the conversation again. He proves the press wrong, and this is part of their calculation. They've taken their time to figure out how to trap the press and box the press in. They haven't talked to them. They've allowed the press to use the DeSantis haters to fill the void. The DeSantis haters have built up a narrative that Ron is out of his league, doesn't know what he's doing, doesn't have a good team. Suddenly they come out, they defy all of that. It puts him in pole position. The media, however, the press corps, the national political press, cannot afford for DeSantis to do this. And this is the point you have to understand. And this is why even a lot of people who aren't on DeSantis' side are kind of rooting for him here. The reason is because the press intends to punish Ron DeSantis for not talking to them. 
In fact, when I pointed this out last week, that so many of the stories that are out there now about DeSantis are being pushed by Trump surrogates trying to ding DeSantis early, and because the Trump supporters aren't responding, or the DeSantis reporters aren't responding, the Trump narrative is ruling the roost. A, a national reporter for NBC News responded to me, well, this would change if DeSantis talked to us. You see what's going on here is the press has to punish DeSantis. DeSantis intends to run a political campaign where he does not talk to the press. The press can't let him get away with it because if DeSantis becomes a Republican nominee, having not talked to the New York Times, the Washington Post, or CNN, or NBC, well, then Katie, bar the door, every Republican thereafter has carte blanche never to talk to the National Press Corps again. So the National Press Corps must punish Ron DeSantis now because if they don't punish DeSantis, future campaigns will know they do not have to talk to the press. DeSantis must be made to pay a price. And if, friends, Ron DeSantis can run a political campaign for president, become the Republican nominee, and not talk to the New York Times, he will be setting a precedent for future campaigns and will reveal just how impotent the national political press corps is now in shaping the national political story. He might actually have to force them to go back to reporting the facts instead of relying on anonymous sources to shape narratives that please members of the press corps without revealing to the public what's actually going on. DeSantis, to be sure, is playing with fire in this, but he thinks he can burn down the press and not himself, and it's intriguing to watch. I keep having friends tell me they realized I was right. Every time you wash sheets from Bowling Branch, they get softer and softer. They're the most luxurious sheets. The highest quality, incredible craftsmanship with just unmatched softness. 100% traceable organic cotton. It gets softer with every wash. I tell you guys that it's true. I can tell you it's a big difference. And I have bought different pairs of sheets to try to find some best. I keep coming back to my Bowling Branch sheets. They're incredible. They're buttery to the touch, super breathable. They're perfect for Cooler weather and warmer weather. Why the drape? You actually feel like you've got something of substance on you so you can snuggle in, but you don't get overwhelmingly hot during the during the summertime, and it's just the perfect weight under the blanket as well during the wintertime. I love Bowling Branch sheets. They're so luxurious. They're loved by four U.S. presidents. Got over 10,000 raving reviews. Right now, get 15% off your first order when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BowlingBranch.com. That's Bowling Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Well, I survived the Taylor Swift concert uh, and the, the the college tour. So we, my daughter and I, we toured Georgia Tech a while back. We had a great tour, but it was it was kind of interesting. Uh, one of the one of the wild things. So my, I should back up. My my daughter has a year left. She she'll be a senior next year. Starting to look at colleges. She does very well in calculus. She wants to be a mechanical engineer, and. She really wants to go to Georgia Tech. It's where her grandfather went, uh, and she wants to go to Tech. We toured Tech. It was a fine tour, but they kind of emphasized, they showed her all the stuff that when you're a junior at Tech, you get all this access to all these incredible things. you got to go through your first two years, and then the world is yours. It was also kind of weird, like uh, we met with the teaching assistants, only one professor, and then... Uh, the, the room where they met us in was like a designated LGBTQIA+. I mean, that's what it said on the door, safe space. And it was all kind of kind of 
just very weird. Uh, and But she really wanted to go to tech. Well, she toured my alma mater, which has a great engineering school, and the professors led the tour. The head of the mechanical engineering department gave her the tour of the mechanical engineering um, division and showed her all the stuff that not as a junior, but as a freshman, she would have access to. In fact, as a freshman, uh, if she goes to Mercer, she'll have to take wood shop, she'll have to take welding, and she'll have to take machine shop. Uh, and the professor himself is a Georgia Tech engineer and, and didn't want to disparage his alma mater either. He took his bachelor's, bachelor, master's, and Ph.D. Uh, all at Tech. And he said he, he loved the school, but he never saw his professors until his grad school. It was all TAs. At Mercer, it's all professors. Uh, she saw the art department. It was great. Uh, and then we went to the Taylor Swift concert on Saturday. For the love of all that is decent and holy, ladies and gentlemen, if you ever come to Atlanta, Georgia, wherever you are in the nation, should you ever come to Atlanta, avoid, like the plague, Marta. Goodness gracious, it was a nightmare. And not just the mass crowd. In fact, we wouldn't have taken it except for the mass crowd going to the tech concert. We felt safety in numbers. But uh, it, it was just the, the amount of insane homeless people was disturbing. The amount of people smoking weed, literally on the train, people smoking marijuana on the train. I just, I, I've never seen anything like it. Avoid it like the plague. Don't take Marta. We did because we stayed at a hotel and we took Marta in. And it would have been impossible to drive. There was a Janet Jackson concert and a Taylor Swift concert. 92,000 of my closest friends at the Taylor Swift concert. And you will not be surprised to learn, never align at the men's bathroom. The women's bathroom, however, goodness gracious, I was impressed. As impressed as you might be if you get a subscription to Sensibles.com uh, or BeSensibleSmart.com. Sensibles team are a team of animated superheroes. They help kids aged 6 through 12 develop smart money habits in a fun way. BeSensibleSmart.com was created to channel the multimedia resources for kids everywhere to teach them financial sense early so they learn how to manage money at an early age, age 6 through 12. Buy a subscription for your loved one each month. They get a Sensibles kit in the mail. It includes an entertaining DVD, comic books, activities. Digital subscriptions are also available. Your kids will get access to an interactive website with a library of lessons, fun activities, and so much more. If you want 20% off the monthly subscription cost, Go to BeSensibleSmart.com, enter the promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. It's Sense, C-E-N-T. Uh, it's the sensible thing to do. You subscribe at BeSensibleSmart.com. You can also text the word ENGAGE to 33777. I'll send you back the URL. It's kind of a hard one to decipher, honestly. But if you text ENGAGE to 33777, I'll send you back the BeSensibleSmart.com website. Use promo code ERIC for 20% off monthly subscription. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. Always happy to have you guys. Uh, and again, thanks to my alma mater for allowing me to broadcast on Friday over there. Uh, it was it was <laughs> technically challenging, but uh, we made it work as best we could. So now uh, we got to talk about, unfortunately, another shooting. Uh, which I am, I don't want to talk about, but um, before I do all of that, uh, you know what? Let me spare myself from having to talk about it. And uh, Dan can save me from myself. Dan, welcome to the show. 
Hey, I love your show, uh, and more than I did at first, I'll admit it. <laughs> well, thank you. I did. I miss Rush, but you are great at this. Um, I got a question about the number of people that they describe themselves as evangelical, mm-hmm. and there's reports maybe 74 million. And yet when I talk to the people in my church and other people who list themselves as very religious, they're not so up on voting. They say, well, the— Heart of the king is in the Lord's hands, and so, well, whatever happens, it doesn't matter. And I am afraid that if Trump is the nominee, it'll happen again. And I I just think that in the Bible, there are numerous places where it says for you to just go forth, and then he'll help you, not to sit and do nothing. I, I just, that always stuns me when you see what's happening in the world, that Voting is a good option. Yeah. So, you know, there there is this uh, within, I think, a lot of religious circles in particular now, after the last uh, five or six years, even within evangelicalism, a lot of people who define themselves as such, who, who maybe aren't regular churchgoers, uh, the numbers are probably a little overinflated. But at the same time, there is this divide. Uh, and a lot of younger evangelicals, this is starting to show up in polling, or just like, you know what, whatever happens is God's will, I don't need to participate. Yes. Uh, and they're separating themselves from being a, a Christian, from being an American, which biblically, I mean, they're 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 just passing through this world. But while they're here, they're American, they can participate in the process, and they can be an instrument of God's will. Um, the well, downside— that's why I want you to—that's why yeah. I, we need your help, because I lose them when they tell me that, and I say, well, if— uh, toddler was trying to walk across the highway would you just say well it's you know up to god it's god's will yeah (laughs) yes or if Uh, they were if a a young kid was going up to joe biden you would want to stop them (laughs) unless they needed a shoulder massage <laughs> yeah, Anything yeah, yeah. you can do, thank you. Uh, you're welcome, Dan. Listen, that, that is a concern. People opt into the process. There, there will be people who opt out of the process, though, because they don't like either choice. Um, I mean, I was one of those people in 2016. Uh, I, I was asked on live national television, given the choice between Hillary and Trump, who do you choose? And I said, a bullet. Um, I, I, I get it. I'm sympathetic. Um, but also, never underestimate your ability to shape uh, the processes in the country. Uh, being engaged, you just you got to be willing to understand, however, that uh, if forced to compromise your faith, you shouldn't do that. Um, don't don't make your faith be political. Make your politics be by faith. Um, but you don't have to opt out of the process. Now, being said, I, I got to get to this story that it, it really is striking to me: uh, the situation between. Um, how the media covers various shootings. As you are aware, by now I'm sure, there was a shooting in Texas with an AR-15, and the National Press Corps is completely flummoxed by how to cover this. The shooter had been deported from this country five times. The shooter is an illegal alien. The shooter shot and killed five people, one of whom is a legal immigrant to the country, and it appears, based on early reports, the other four are were illegal immigrants. Greg Abbott 
tweeted about this uh, illegal alien killing illegal aliens, and we've got to get our um, we, we got to get our immigration and our border under control. And the press corps has savaged Greg Abbott for turning this into a conversation about immigration when it's supposed to be a conversation about AR-15s. But the press can't proceed with the conversation because it turns out it was an illegal alien who had been deported five times. Uh, Chip Roy, uh, my friend, we've reached out to him to be on the show. He was talking about this situation with Harris Faulkner on Fox News and uh, just a terrible situation. This is this is Congressman Roy talking. Yeah, Harris, like, like this is the reality of what we're dealing with in Texas. And we keep trying to make this point to all of America to understand in Texas in the last decade. We've had 261,000 illegal immigrants carry out about 430-something thousand crimes, including 800 murders, 800 kidnappings, and about 5,000 assaults. Mm. This is something we're dealing with all the time. I mean, think about those numbers. And here we've got somebody who was deported five times. We have Border Patrol overwhelmed, ICE overwhelmed, cartels empowered, fentanyl killing 72,000 Americans, including the five or six kids in the school district in the county in which I live but also the migrants. Let's remember this eight-year-old, nine-year-old boy. Some people are saying, oh, these are the you know illegal immigrants who were killed in this house. I don't know if they think one might have been a citizen. That doesn't matter. This is an eight-year-old boy, a nine-year-old boy. Like, what are we doing in the most powerful history, a country in the history of the world? We're allowing this to occur. It's all largely preventable if we would just reclaim operational control of our border. And I'm proud that Republicans in the House Judiciary Committee put across legislation two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. They would take a giant step toward doing that. I hope we will move it off the House floor next week when we get back to coincide with Title 42 expiring, all relevant to what we're dealing with right now when Border Patrol will continue to be overwhelmed and now massively more overwhelmed with the expiration of Title 42. He's got a point. It's really fascinating to me to see the media move as quickly as they can from the story once the facts were learned. It is disruptive to their narrative. Remember, the Nashville shooter was transgender, and the Nashville shooter had an AR, among other things. And when it became a transgender shooter, the National Press Corps made it about victimization of transgender people. In Alabama, notice how you haven't heard the media continue talking about the story. There was a mass shooting in Alabama. 32 people shot. Uh, I think five of them killed. It was a birthday party. It turns out the victims were black. The shooters were black. A handgun was used. No ARs were there. The media dropped that story as quickly as possible. It is extremely plausible, and I think is the case, that the media moved on from the story when they realized that the shooter had been deported five times and was an illegal alien. They were desperate to make it about the AR-15 and are angry with Governor Greg Abbott when Greg, Greg Abbott used the case of it being illegal alien versus illegal alien violence with one immigrant who was a, had a green card. They were furious about it. They excoriated him on MSNBC. How dare you make this about illegal aliens, Greg Abbott? It's about the AR-15. Well, they realized they couldn't keep that story going. You know, there's a dirty little secret here. I don't know if you know. 
lean in. I will keep nothing from you. You probably haven't heard this in the news. Shh, this is going to be our little secret. An illegal alien cannot buy an AR-15. That's right. An illegal alien cannot buy an AR-15. So where did the illegal alien get the AR-15 from? Where did the gun come from? He was deported five times. Five times. He killed as many people. And the media wanted to make it about an AR-15, which he cannot legally purchase. They've had to move on quickly from the story. And, you know, this does go back to my point uh, the, the other week. I pointed out you had three shootings on a weekend. One was white man kills white girl. One was white man does not kill black boy. One was uh, two black teens shoot up a birthday party with a bunch of black kids killing five of them, uh, shooting 32. And what is the result? The media focused on the white man who shot but did not kill the black boy. They totally ignored the mass shooting in Alabama. No AR-15s were involved. The media asked. Reporters asked. The police had to say there were no shell casings from AR-15s, only from handguns. They moved on from that story as quickly as they could. You, you notice they haven't kept it up. They haven't covered it. They arrested the two people. But the media has moved on from the story. They don't want to talk about the story. They never want to talk about black-on-black -black violence, and they sure as hell don't want to talk about illegal immigrant on illegal immigrant violence with an AR-15, with an illegal immigrant who was deported five times and somehow was able to possess an AR-15. It completely defies the narrative on guns. The narrative on guns is that young white men who vote for Trump willfully gun down people across America with AR-15s. And yet, here in this case, we've had a transgender person do it, and now an illegal alien who had been deported five times that the Biden administration let back in the country. So much for your narrative on AR-15s, media. Which is why they will move on rapidly from this story, too. The stories the media moves on from are the stories that do not fit the narrative template, and this one sure doesn't for them. If it had been a Trump supporter, if it had been a white guy in a MAGA cap who had legally purchased the AR-15, we'll be talking about this story till next week. But now, everybody gets to move on because the facts are inconvenient to the press corps. I just again come back to that story in Alabama. 32 people shot at a sweet 16 birthday party. Five children killed. And the press moved on from that story as rapidly as they possibly could. Instead, focuses on a white man who shot but did not kill a black boy making that their gun control story, making that the story of the day. That family got invited to the White House. That's not to say it wasn't wrong. That's not to say it wasn't bad. It's not to say it shouldn't have been covered. But on a weekend where you've got that happening versus a mass shooting in Alabama, tells you it's all about the narrative. If no AR-15 was involved, it was only handguns, it was all same race violence, the media dropped that as quickly as they could.
and they will move on now from a five times deported illegal alien with an AR-15 killing five. Because again, the media only cares about gun violence if it fits the gun control narrative that they have foisted on the American public. And this one doesn't. Now, we need to talk about the narrative of the economy. It looks like we're headed into a recession. In fact, for most people, the recession is already here. It's already a problem. If you're interested in using gold and silver in this recessionary time, you may want to talk to Advantage Gold. 800-450-2566 is their number. They're TrustLink's number one highest rated precious metals company out there for investors. If you want to use them for your IRA, your 401k, or just general investment purposes, they can make you smarter on how to do it. That's one reason I like them. No nonsense, straight approach, give you the facts, let you decide. You can call them, get a free IRA uh, investment kit, 800-450-2566. Let Advantage Gold be your partner if you are interested in precious metals at all, for investment at all. There are rules that apply for putting them in your retirement portfolio for tax purposes. you got to be very careful. The IRS has been cracking down on people in the last few years who have just bought gold and silver and left them around the house as opposed to putting them in a designated safety deposit box or other means. Uh, Let Advantage Gold navigate you through those rules, 800-450-2566. One more time, 800-450-2566. Call Advantage Gold. Tell them I sent you. See if they can be your partner for using precious metals as part of your portfolio. Um. Uh, I don't even know how to really talk about this story, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Um, may God have mercy on all, all of our shows. Um, um, Lake Oconee News. It's a beautiful part of Georgia. Uh, got Lake Country, they call it. Uh, and it, it covers Green and Morgan and Putnam counties out in Georgia. There's a big Ritz-Carlton resort out there. They used to call it Reynolds Plantation, but uh, now you, you're not supposed to call it Plantation anymore, even though everybody does. Well, a, a woman who goes by the name Unicole Unicorn, her actual name is Nicole, but she goes by Unicole Unicorn, uh, wants to buy a house in Woodville, Georgia, which is a town of 300, less than 300, and plans to convert it essentially into a house with sex robots so that it's a brothel, but because it's robots and not people, it should be legal. However, Greg Bluestein, a reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, reached out to the woman who describes herself as a cult leader, and she says she actually um, she can't make it work. She tried to create a consensual brothel near Los Angeles, uh, where people could engage in quote-unquote intimate relationships with uh, companion robots. The idea flopped, and now she wants to be a pop star cult leader uh, and wants to use the house as a physical location for a religion, which uh, Unicole Unicron is calling a unicult. I'm trying to create a sustainable community for my religion, and we wanted a physical space to exist. We're trying to figure out how to get it. Uh, oh, yeah, I bet they are trying to figure out how to get it up and running. Uh, we want to do everything right by the city. <laughs> oh, so she wants to build a cult in Greene County, Georgia. She's bought 20 acres right on a river got a saltwater pool and a sauna. Yes. 
She's calling it Una Acres in Unicron. Uh, the house was built in 1865. She says, I'm a complete outs- outsider. I have autism, and I think differently than others. And I know my presence seems radical everywhere. Have you noticed the number of wackadoos lately who just say, oh, I got autism? Do you not know how disrespectful it is to people with autism uh, to just claim, oh, I'm, I got a quirky personality. I'm on the spectrum. It's what they all do. Now, she says, contrary to the press reports originally, I absolutely was never thinking or planning a sex robot brothel in rural Georgia. Uh, I couldn't make it work in West Hollywood, let alone Woodville, Georgia. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Wow. Oh, my goodness gracious. Um, God help the people of Greene County, Georgia.